Well, hello, Citygate Church. How are we doing this morning? I tell you, you guys are alive for 9, 9.30ers. Eh? I thought it'd be like a 6pm service. It's like, you can take your seat. So good. I'm so excited to be here with you, with my beautiful wife, Laura. And we are, we're in good days, are we not? Naturally, we're in challenging days. Are we not? We've been through a season. We all have. No one's exempt from it. You've got to find the, the common ground um, aspects of the kingdom in common ground aspects of the world. You know, we, we're all involved in the tail end now, believing for uh, COVID to be finishing. But, you know, we've got common ground in the kingdom. You know, worship is common ground, isn't it? We're all, we're all on the same playing field when it comes to worship. What a, what a great team you guys have got up on the platform. Got a great team singing out here. There's great, there's great faith in the house. In 25 years, celebrating God's goodness last weekend. And um, I want to tell you, it really is true. It's not just a cliche. The best is yet to come. Do you believe that? That we go from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Faith to faith, bigger and better, more impacting. So all of us, you know, we're in this journey together and working out what God's doing on planet Earth. How many believe he's doing something? He's, he's moving, he's doing things, he's, he's ready to rock and roll. And I'm so thrilled to see what's happening here at City Gate. And Julian and Sharon are, as he said, become great friends of ours. And, um, you know, he's walked with me in different seasons as a, a brother and a friend, and I'm so thankful for him. You know, the Bible says things like this, uh, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and he's, he's that to me. And um, we thank God for partners around the world, people that can cheer each other on. And I'm just here a little bit as an uncle, maybe. <laughs> you know, he, he brings the meat and veg every week. I'm going to bring the dessert. So, but don't get caught up in the dessert. You eat too much dessert, you get sick. <laughs> so you need to stick with the meat and veg and keep honouring your pastors because they are wonderful, amazing people. So can we just give them a thank you for all that they do. 25 years faithfully serving the Lord week in, week out. Labouring in messages, labouring in prayer, laboring in the reach out to the community, impacting, and as a result, you're building an incredible church. So never take it for granted. Don't, don't lose sight of what you've got right now. And there's, there's something happening in the house, and there is so much more to gain. So who's ready to get on mission? Get on mission. How many won't think we've got to come back to some real, let's follow Jesus? Let's just follow Jesus. What would happen if we all began to step up on a different level and went, you know what, we're going to go to another level of following him? Not just what we're going to get from him, but what, what impact we're going to do with him in the journey that he's, he's planned out and he's mapped out and he's got this incredible future for us, not just for you to be successful in, in family life, he wants that, not just in business life, he wants that, not just in the things that you enjoy doing, he wants that, 
But in his mission and his purpose on planet Earth. There's lots of things shaking in the news. The world is shaking. So I think we need some good news. How many know the gospel is good news? How many still believe it is the gospel that changes communities, families, nations? How many believe that it's the gospel that changes lives? That it is the power to salvation. And I want to talk to you this morning about getting back on mission. About sharing your faith. About being stirred up in the Great Commission. Not just the Great Suggestion. It is the, the command of the Lord through five recordings in the Bible that we see his heartbeat for humanity. Julian was, uh, I heard the story before, but I had forgotten about it, and he was telling us a little bit about his story, how he got saved. I don't know if you've told it recently, but I'll tell a little bit of it. He'll tell it better than I can, of course. He was, you know, a punk rocker, hair coming out when he had it. And you had it, mate. <laughs> and he finds himself in a, I guess it was a crusade by a guy called Nicky Cruz. Sword and switchblade. He says he doesn't know how he got there. He's probably high on drugs or something. <laughs> Don't know why he went there. But that night he gave his life to Christ. And radically came off drugs, came off all things that were holding him addictively. Many years later, he tells us a story where he's sharing a, some level of preaching with Nicky Cruz in the East Church, and he tells the story to Nicky that under your ministry, I gave my life to Christ and radically saved. One life has now caused this to happen. Isn't that awesome? One life, but not only his life, but your life. Your life has contributed to this life. It's not just one man, it's many people. But it starts with one and then it begins to multiply. And when we begin to get into the action of what God is doing, you know, I don't know where we are in timelines and I'm not an end times preacher. You know, Apostle, the Apostle Paul said we're in the last hour and if he thought we're in the last hour, perhaps we're in the last seconds, I really don't know. When I got saved and became a Christian, I got saved under an end times message. And uh, by a guy called Barry Smith. Thank God for Barry. And um, I, th I thought the way he preached, we weren't going to make 2020. <laughs> I used to say to my mates, we're not going to make 2020. You need to become a Christian. Here we are in 21. 22. I, said, I was just checking. <laughs> I'm just checking. I was just checking to see if you're awake and listening. Here we are in 22, and Jesus is still prepping the moment. There is a timing, there is a moment where he's coming back. Isaiah says, you know, in the last days will be great darkness on the earth, but to arise and shine. To arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. And that glory will cause light to penetrate darkness. And I just believe, and I feel very stirred in my own heart, I've just been stirring it in my, my own church's heart back in Glasgow, that we've got to turn some lights on to dispel darkness. There's no greater time than when, when the world is shaken for the gospel really to go forward and share the good news. There's people still believe in this room 
this auditorium that the gospel deals with the area of sin. Can wash it, wash it clean. How many still believe in the theology that sin is the root of all problems? And that we need an answer. Uh, you know, humanity does its best, but it needs an answer. It needs Christ. That God heals, that God releases the captives, He brings hope, and He brings a great sense that God is going to transform lives, that your family and your neighborhood. I read, recently read a stat, or I heard a stat rather, that at least in America, I'm not sure if it's the UK as well, but I imagine it would be similar, that only 2% of churchgoers share their faith. That means 98% don't. And I felt very stirred hearing that stat. And I felt, you know, late last year in 21 that um, I should do a soul winning course in my own church. And I began to do that. As I was doing that, and I've just finished it last Thursday, I began to get stirred up once again about the gospel on a different level. I am a soul winner by nature. I believe that God's answer to humanity and God's answer to London and God's answer to Glasgow is the gospel. And uh, all the, uh, you know, yeah, come on, let's praise God. You know, I believe in social justice, but I first believe in spiritual justice. I believe we've got to bring the, 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 the care and the natural, but, but for me, the most important of all is the spiritual justice, that people would understand there's a God in heaven that wants to transform lives and wants to radically, radically cause lives to be turned around. And that's what I want to share with you today to stir you up a little bit. Are you open for some of this? Because you're getting great preaching every week about your future, about your, who you are in Christ, about where you're going. And I just want to get you a bit more on mission today. Is that all right? I want to stir you up to help, help you understand that God can use you to transform a life. It doesn't have to just be the pastors and the preachers or the, the ones that are seemingly want to do all the time. No, wherever you are, you can be God's mission, God's agent in the context of your life. Often people you know, talk to me about you know, why they struggle with sharing their faith and they come up with all types of reasons. And you know, they're very reasonable and often you know, common sense ones, but sometimes you've got to push past your reasons. And I, I've, the few I come across was, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be pushy, so I want to share my faith. Well, here's maybe an answer for that. You don't need to be pushy when you're a good listener. The problem with pushiness is when you don't listen. And another one is, I don't know how to do it, so, well, let's get equipped. Let's learn how to share our faith. You know, one of the songs we were singing this morning was about sharing our testimony. That resonated with me this morning because I'm sharing on this. Someone else might say, well, I only know Christians. Well, it's time to get some non-Christians in your life. I'm scared of doing it. Well, it's time to get empowered. I don't even think about it. It's time to get on fire and start to follow Jesus. You know, there's common reasons why, why we don't share our faith and we've got to address them and stir these things up. So I thought I would talk to you a little bit today on the time that I have on the Great Commission and, and get you understanding that this was the last instruction that Jesus gave his disciples before he left earth. And he said, boys, over to you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts all have a Great Commission. 
They all say things slightly different, but they're all pointing to the same thing. So don't go quiet on me. Faith, you're a good example before. Can you come and be another example? Come up here for a second. Give Faith another welcome. <laughs> faith, come along here. So just for imagine, Faith is Jesus. She's a pretty cool Jesus. <laughs> so you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke and John all listening to Jesus. Matthew hears one thing, because Matthew is seeing the left side of the face of Jesus. Yeah? Mark is hearing something, because he's hearing the back of Jesus. <laughs> Luke is hearing something, because he's hearing something of the right side. Of Jesus. He can't see the left side. He can only see the right side. John perhaps is seeing the front side of who Jesus is. And that's why you get slightly different versions of what they were here. All inspired by the Holy Spirit and all instructed to write it down, but helping us to get a whole picture. Thank you, Faith. You did very good. So I, I want to just give you the five different emphasis of each of the Great Commissions so that you can understand that God wants us to get the whole picture for a context of becoming a better fisherman. Jesus said to Peter, you're a fisher of men, uh, sorry, a fisherman. I'm going to teach you how to catch men. That says to me, Peter didn't know how to do it. He was good at this thing, but he didn't know how to, how to connect with people. He didn't know how to do it effectively. How many know you need your brain? How many know you need to be able to articulate? Try shouting at somebody and then inviting the church and see how it goes. Oh, the Lord will do it. No, he won't. No, he won't. We got to get good at it. Who's ever been fishing? Yeah, same response in Glasgow. Very few people <laughs> have been fishing before. So it's hard to kind of go, what is it, what's it like to be fishing? There's obviously individual fishing and there's net fishing. How do you fish? What's the principles Jesus was using spiritually in an analogy context to help us understand it's the same context that catches men? We are called to be soul Winners. If you're in business, you're meant to be a soul winner. Proverbs says, he who wins souls is wise. It's not just talking about coming to faith. It's talking about winning people. I was fishing once many years ago with a good friend of mine who was a semi-professional fisherman. And we were out in the North Sydney beaches, out on the point. And I'd never been on this level of fishing trip before. We're just in a dinghy. You know what a dinghy is? A little steel boat wasn't very big, and he, he has this bait that he starts to munch up. And I'm used to putting a little prawn on the end of a hook and throwing that out. He's not doing that. He's, he's chopping away at all, whatever it was. And it's going into the water. 
And he says to me, we'll probably get some sharks because of this. I said, no joke, mate. <laughs> Blood's going into the... Anyway, I hook on a fish. I don't know how big it was. I just knew it was enormous. And I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to this thing. And I'm holding on to this thing. And he starts to shout at me. Don't you lose it. I'm going, mate, it's recreational fishing. <laughs> Don't you lose it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm winding it up. Winding, he's, he's yelling instruction. And how me know when you get yelled at, you, get, you just go all confused. So I'm, I'm, you know. So I lose it. He looks at me with eyes of death. <laughs> He was the kids' pastor at church. <laughs> and I said, then what's the problem? He goes, listen, what's happening? We've, we've created an incredible amount of fish underneath us. An incredible amount. And you've hooked one. And you're pulling it up. And all these fish are following the one being pulled up. And he says, when you lose it, that thing takes off. And all the fish take off with it. I went, wow, that's a spiritual lesson. <laughs> that's a spiritual lesson. I remember actually being in London many years ago with another pastor friend of mine. We were having a kind of a network day and we're, he was doing a bit of a training day. And he got bad service at Starbucks before the session. We had about 200 pastors with us. And he was trying to teach us a lesson of what happens when you don't treat people well in church. You ignore people. You aren't friendly. You know, you, know, you, know, you come in with a foul, foul attitude. One person. He said, I'm not going to Starbucks today in the break. I'm going to a coffee shop up the road because they gave me bad service. That's all he said. Guess what happened? 200 pastors went to the coffee shop up the road. Starbucks that day lost two to 3,000 pounds worth of business. How many know you've got to learn how to do this thing? You've got to learn how to win souls. You've got to learn how to catch fish. You've got to catch people in the right context of what that word really means. Jesus communicates through his gospels through four men. And he communicates the same thing, but they hear different things. Matthew hears discipleship is the key for salvation to stick. Mark hears signs and wonders will follow the Great Commission. Luke hears there's a need for comprehension of the Scriptures and then repentance and remission of sins will be granted. Are you with me so far? John hears, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Acts here, written by Luke, says you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to me. They're all different, but they're all the same. So I thought we should go through a few today. To help us to understand, it's not one-dimensional, it's multi-dimensional. Because sometimes we get caught up in one aspect of the gospel. 
And we need to understand there are a few aspects to the gospel. But the first thing we need to understand today that the gospel is good news. Come on, look at the person next to you say, it is good news. <laughs> this is what it says in Matthew. Chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have taught and commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew heard there's got to be an ongoing, not just a decision. Did you get that? Go into all the world and make disciples and teaching them everything that you've learned, pass it on and teach them to follow the same Christ that you're following. Did you get that? Mark goes on and says this in chapter 16, verses 17. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents if they drink anything deadly, it by by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen. Oh, we love that one. What about the first one? Go make disciples. Teaching them. Not signs and wonders. Teaching them. To observe, be a part of the things that I've taught you. And commanded you. Oh no, let's just bring on the signs, wonders, miracles. Well, that may not be needed depending on who you're talking to. So we've got to begin to understand a few things. I, I, I love asking God for opportunity to share my faith. I, I, I on my holidays last year, was going for a walk and I was in a place called Portugal. Anyone know that place? Had a nice summer's holiday. Aussies need good summer holidays. I figure that I gave up a nation with sun that I get a good holiday every year, Lord. <laughs> and I'm going for a walk this particular day and, and Laura has a friend to come and stay with us who doesn't know the Lord. But Laura's been a witness in her life for many years. That day I went for a walk. I said, Lord, gee, I'd love to share the gospel with her. I'm on holidays. Sometimes I don't want to share my faith on holidays. <laughs> Ever had that one? Who, who doesn't like it when you're in a sauna and someone wants to talk to you about Jesus? <laughs> Ever had that? Yeah, my accent always causes conversation. If you're in your own nation, your accent doesn't do that. But when you're in another nation and your accent, well, where are you from, mate? I'm in a sauna. Where are you from? I'm from Australia. Oh, what are you doing here? I'm going, where do I go with that? Where do I go with that? I go, I'm coming to pastor church. Not a shame, just want to rest. Because you're a Christian. Yes, mate, I'm a Christian. We're in a sauna. He starts banging on about his brother being a scientist. You know, every now and again, you've got to repent after you say a few things. <laughs> so I just went to him with a funny face. 
Do you honestly believe, mate, you came from a fish? Because <laughs> that's what his brother believed. He came from a fish. And I, and I was like, oh, dear God, forgive me for that one. But it's opportunity everywhere. And I'm, we're on holidays and Laura's um, friend is with us. And I'm, I'm saying, God, if there's a moment, can, can I share the gospel with her? I just want to be sensitive. I want to do this well. And as it turned out, questions were asked and I was able to bring that moment and Laura was with us and at that moment we said to her, hey listen, would you like to give your life to Christ? And she said yes. So we led her, we led her to the Lord. What happened? Every Sunday from Portugal she comes online. She lives in the country. I haven't been able to find a church for her just yet. Maybe we'll start one. Maybe you guys will start one. I'll have holidays there and preach for you. And, uh, but the gospel transforms lives. And sometimes we go too quiet when it comes to sharing our faith and we've got to stir it up. The world needs good news right now. There is no greater news than Jesus Christ. And I believe we've got to engage in it like never before. In the gospel... Of Luke, it says, Then he said to them, These words, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And listen to this, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. How many feel like you need that? Then he said to them, Thus it is written, thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer. And to rise from the dead and the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached, and you are my witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. This is the third recording in, the, in an order going from Matthew, Mark, now Luke. And the emphasis is coming again. It's coming again. It's coming again. And it's coming again. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. And he taught about the kingdom of God. And he shared the goodness of the kingdom of God. He talked about how the kingdom of God is like a seed. He talked about how... The kingdom of God was a reach out to a, a prodigal, a reach out to a, a lost coin, a reach out to, to a, a lost sheep. There is this ongoing stirring up about the kingdom of God. How many know you've got to learn to teach people about the kingdom of God? Sometimes we go Jesus too quick. You've got to go kingdom first. It's called bait. It's called bait. Teach them how good your life is. Say, man, I'm under a different governance. I'm under a different kingdom. And I find a blessing and, and favor and prosperity comes in my life. And even when I go through a storm, I find there's a peace residing on the inside of me. How do you get that? Well, let me tell you how you get that. His name is Jesus. We start with Jesus too quick. And they haven't got a clue. And Jesus taught the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, 
So we've got to understand what the kingdom of God is about. Sharing your faith is about sharing the kingdom and getting proactive. with Who, wants to, who would like to see somebody come to Christ through your life this year? Personally, wouldn't it, isn't it a great joy when you, out of your mouth, you share something of something of your life, of what God has done in your life, and somebody responds to the good news of what you just shared. Just remember, you don't always have to be at the end of the chain, but you are a part of a chain. You may be the one that pulls the net in, or you might be the beginning of the journey. So you, it's very important we all work together, because I don't want to pick up your bad, and I don't want you to pick up. My bad. We're, we're all links in the chain for somebody to come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. His grace and his power. As I said, I love sharing my faith. I love what it can do. I love how it can transform. I love how it can cause a life to come alive. I'm telling you a few stories today to help you to understand I do it. I do it. I love it. Sometimes I don't love it. Years ago, we, uh, back in Sydney, I uh, used to go out on the, what we used to call the commandos. They were the, the frontline Christians, apparently. You know, singing on the street, the guitar. Tambourines. <laughs> I used to go out with them and I'd, I would stand 40 metres away from them. <laughs> and I'd stand next to somebody. I remember this particular time I was in Sydney Harbour. I mean, it's a beautiful place. I'm down a, we're down to Sydney Harbour and the, the guys are doing their thing and shouting in the microphone. I just thought, that's not for me, but I like getting out there. So I was up 40 metres away and try to engage with a conversation with somebody. And there's one particular guy I'm standing next to and I, I said to him, what do you think about that, that lot? And he goes, oh, well, I guess they believe in what they believe. And I said, what do you think about it all? He doesn't know I'm with him. <laughs> <laughs> So we talk, I listened to him for 40 to 45 minutes. I didn't say a word. Just listen. You've got to be a good listener. Fishing is patient. Before I became a Christian, we were told to go fish because for those who don't know, I used to be a professional tennis player. So to teach yourself patience, we were told go fishing. Go fishing. Just sit there because you sit there for hours sometimes and catch nothing. And sometimes you go fishing. I did this with my dad. And we, we were fishing on the rocks. And he's trying to teach me how to fish. And him and I are catching nothing. And the guy 20 meters away is going, boom, boom, boom. And I'm looking at my dad. Dad's looking at me. And he's looking at me. looking at him going, what's the, he, this guy goes and we run over to his spot. Only 20 meters away. Nothing, nothing, nothing. What happened is that guy had a skill set we didn't. Well, it's easy. No, it's not. You've got to get skilled at it. You've got to get good at it. You've got to get sharper. It says of the Apostle Paul that he became extremely effective at communicating the gospel. In other words, at the beginning, he was not, wasn't very good. I always get encouraged when uh, people say things like this to me. Gee, you're improved as a preacher. 
It doesn't mean I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I want to be getting better as I go. And it's learning the art of, of fishing. So I'm listening to this guy because I've learned a few things. I'm just listening to his story. He's got a story of pain. A story of, you know, brokenness. A story of a life that, you know, nobody really cares. I wasn't going to jump in too quick. So I just listened. And then I did the most simplest gospel presentation to him. I said, look, if you could, would you love to have a relationship with God? And he said, absolutely. I said, well, you know you can. And I shared the gospel with him, that Jesus Christ is God's answer to humanity. And I said, would you like to give your life to Christ? And he said, yes. So there on Sydney Harbour, I said to the man, I said, would you like to pray a prayer with me? And he said, yes. So I prayed a prayer with him. And I always say to people after I pray the prayer with them, how do you feel? And he, he said an answer that shocked me at the time because at that point I'd never heard it before. He said, oh, my goodness. He said, I felt something leave me and something come into me. I went, wow. And then he goes on and says, my brother's a Christian. And I said, well, I know what's happening. He's praying for you. Now you go and tell your brother that you gave your life to Christ. Now, I've never seen that man since. But I believe I'll see him in heaven one day. The power of the gospel transforms lives. I believe when people get Jesus, things break off them. I believe when people don't get Jesus, they love church as a social club, they stay the same. You stay the same. When Christ comes into your life, something of fire, something of power, something of the anointing stirs you up that says, I've got to be a world changer. I want to do something that radically moves and shakes everything that I come in contact with. It doesn't matter whether I go to work and the workplace is as distraught and in pain. You walk in as the carriers of the presence of God, the peace of God. You bring an atmosphere change just because of who you are. We are gospel-given, anointed-given people of God, to transform anything and everything we come in contact with. Amen. So here's my challenge to you. Can I give you a little challenge? I am a coach. <laughs> so when I coach, I challenge. When was the last time you shared something of the good news of Christ? Don't be beat up with that. Be challenged by that. Say, so come on. We need to step it up and move it forward because in this room, there are people who want to hear from your life the gospel message. Are you catching this? The gospel transforms lives. Now, I know you guys see people come to Christ. I'm just stirring up even more. I'm just adding to you today. Look what it says in John. Are you with me so far? Say, so the pastor's getting there. <laughs> Soul winning. Soul winning. It's a big part of the journey in God. John chapter 20 and verses 21 to 24 says, Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. How important was the Father's commission on Jesus? Would you say it was pretty important? <laughs> he said, The same commission that was on me, I'm putting on you. Oh, it's a bit tense. Oh, I think that's a little intense. No, it's not. 
Because when he's asked you to do something, he'll empower you for it. The same emphasis of the sending on Christ is the same emphasis coming on the believer. I love what he said at the beginning of this before he said that. Peace to you. (laughs) Peace to you. Settle down, boys. Calm down. Now, listen to this. As I've received something and I did it, now I'm sending you, off you go. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. He didn't leave them powerless. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they will be retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Oh, ouch for Thomas. A few verses down the same chapter, the gathering again, and Thomas is with them this time. And Jesus appears again, and Jesus says, Peace to you, Thomas. Same thing. Same thing. And then if you know the story, he says, Listen, touch my, my hand and touch my side. But here's the thing. He never breathed on Thomas. Acts chapter 2, Thomas gets it though. That's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. There's got to be an urgency but a pace. There's got to be an urgency but a relaxedness. There's got to be an urgency but a sense of timing. There's got to be an urgency but understand that God's in control. There's got to be an urgency but there's got to be a following. And the combination of, of having the urgency but understanding Jesus was always completely at rest. He was in the timing and the direction of his father. He would spend hours praying and then he would go out in the mission and change and transform the world. And God, I believe, wants to cause a fire in some people's bellies this morning that will cause you to go, you know what, God, I'm just going to be open. I'm going to be hungry and I'm going to look for the opportunities, but I've got to learn how to do it. I've got to get sharper how to do it. Because people ask you tricky questions. They do, they ask you tricky questions. And we've got to get some answers because all those questions are answerable. I have a, a way of get engaging with a conversation. I'm going to teach you a little bit of that this morning to help you. Because how many know you've got to be practical? Because one thing they go, oh, I've got to go do it. But then you go, well, how do I do it? What do I do here? If I said to you, could you in one minute tell me about the gospel, could you do it? In one minute. I can do it. I'm going to give it to you in a second. If it needed to take three minutes, could you do it? Could, if you could do it in ten. Could you do it in an hour if you had an hour? It's a bit longer you get, the better it is. But if you get short moments, do you, can you present the gospel very, very quickly? Can I give you five things to help you today? Just to empower you. So your friend says, why are you a Christian? Well, Jesus died for my sin. Well, that's not going to hit home. Because they don't understand the big picture. So you've got to give them the big picture in one minute. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Write this down. This on your fingers. Thumb. God. Always start with God. How many think that's a good idea? Yeah. Just go quickly. Who's God? God is both loving and God is both holy. I mean, if they, you just knuckle down on those two things, you're going pretty good. Yeah. God is loving and God is holy. Right? Yeah. Secondly, God made man. In his image and his likeness. So the second thing you're looking at is humanity. What was God's big idea? To build a kingdom, to reign in that kingdom, 
and to establish a royal family. That's what God was all about. In other words, he wanted relationship with humanity. And the first two chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, are the only two perfect books of the Bible. What? I didn't say the Bible was in error. Just the first two chapters, there's no sin. Everything else from chapter 3 all the way to Revelation is God redeeming everybody. So the first two chapters is God's picture of what he designed and how he wanted it. That's why we've got to go into Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Then you've got to go back and to Revelation of the last chapter of when Christ comes back again. There comes a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth, and we go back to Genesis 1. Isn't that good news? But between now and then, we're on a journey, we're on a mission. So we got God, we got humanity. God made humanity in the perfect condition, perfect in every way, but gave them the ability to choose. And how did he do that? He put a tree in the middle of that garden to give them proof they have choice. He says, now that tree's mine, don't touch it. That's choice. If there's no choice, you have to. And God says, you will not have to love me. I'm going to give you choose the ability to choose. The day you touch that thing is the day we're going to separate and we're going to have some issues here. You know the story. They screw up. Broken sin. Sin separates us from God. Do you understand that? It's the barrier between God and humanity. I always say to people, do you, do you, do you think you've ever sinned? Nobody in their right mind goes, no, I've never sinned. <laughs> what, do you think the way, what do you think the cause of, what's the results of sin? Always death. You can see that everywhere. You can see that everywhere, can't you? you know, a bad word spoken at the wrong time wrecks a relationship. Somebody cheating on somebody wrecks a relationship. Somebody stealing, sin, ruins. Well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Very easy to see. Yeah, but if I do a few good things, I go, no. That's like putting a clean T-shirt on a dirty body. You're still dirty. Somebody murdered somebody over here and you did 10 good things over here. It doesn't get rid of the murder. Religion says that all the time. Do good things, do good things, and it rubs us out. It doesn't. So you and I are stuffed on that basis. But hey, God's got an answer. He's called Jesus. And Jesus is God's answer to humanity. Because remember, in order for sin to be dealt with, if sin creates death, death has to be dealt with. So Jesus Christ paid for your sin. How does this all work out? The last one is called faith. What's faith? Very easy. Do a simple analogy. Just imagine I made a chair. I use this all the time. You've never seen a chair before. Up here is a chair. And I say, John, that's a chair. That'll hold you. And you go, that's not faith. You might sit on the edge of the chair. That's not faith. You've got to put your whole weight on it. Then you'll know that this chair can hold you. That's called faith. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Christ died and rose again, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Always ask people the question, what do you do with Jesus? Because you cannot say he didn't exist. The Bible is not the only book that wrote about him. What do you do with Jesus? 
See, that's the gospel. God, humanity, sin, Jesus, and faith. You can do that in a minute if you needed to. But you can do dialogue questions. I'm just stirring you today. Because we have to win souls. We have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the anointing of God. We've been given everything we need to walk out this life in God, bringing our testimony, sharing our faith, seeing lives change. You never know what's around the corner. Just this week, just this week, we have a few Kickstarters working in our church. Three weeks ago, one of them came to our church service, gave his life to Christ. Two weeks ago, I had this young guy say to me, I want to let you know, this building, this place has changed my life. He said, your I lead leadership course has changed my life. I said, oh man, it's cool. I didn't go there, it wasn't the timing. He, he gets COVID, he's out for two weeks. In that time, he has a very difficult time personally. Comes back, he, he's down. I can see it on him. I said to him, hey buddy, What's going on? He said, I'm really struggling. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take it up a notch now. I said, have you ever thought about faith? He goes, I'm thinking about it. I said, would you like to have a discussion about it? That's what I use all the time. Not a pressure, just a discussion. Would you like to have a talk about it? He said, yeah, I would. I said, 12.30 in the coffee house. See you then. We sit down, we dialogue, we talk a lot. I give him the gospel. He says, I believe what you're telling me is the truth. I said, well, what do you want to do with that? Now, I didn't want to, I didn't want to pull the net in too quick. I was sensing it. And I just said to him, oh, do you want to pray with me now? Would you like to go home and pray yourself? Would you like to go and think about it? He says to me, I'd like to go think about it. I said, fantastic, no pressure on my end. Do what you want to do. I don't see him the next day because I'm not there. The next day, I'm in the middle of a staff meeting with, with one of the staff. And he just plonks himself down. <laughs> and begins to say, I prayed that prayer. I did the ABC that you told me about. Accept, believe and confess. But he, he said at the time I couldn't remember it. He said, so I googled it. ABC of Christianity. He said, I looked up and, the, and this, this website said, pray this prayer. And he said, I genuinely prayed it. I said, well, how do you feel? And he goes, a thousand times happier. A thousand times happier. And I went, this is awesome. He begins to tell me that night he has a dream. That night. And he said, I was just dreaming I was in front of a full-length mirror. And I'm looking into this mirror. And I see flames in this mirror and images. And behind me, I hear a heartbeat. So I said, well, what happened? He said, I started walking backwards, away from the mirror. As I'm walking backwards, the heartbeat's getting louder and louder. And then the mirror closes. And I wake up terrified. And I said, what do you think the dream meant? He said, I felt like God was saying, come, come, come. 
come. How about Jesus can transform lives? It is the gospel that changes people. Amen. Today, in the book of Acts, Jesus said, and reminds us again, because it was like he said it just today. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be what? Witnesses, testifiers, bring your testimony, share your story, tell the gospel that God transforms people. Power to do it. You're with him. Jesus said, I'm with you always. You're not in this by yourself. He is with you always. He said, what does that mean, Pastor? Do I have to be street preaching? No, I don't do that. I have done it, but I don't do it. No, just be a light in the place. Let people see the radiance and the fire in your eyes, that you have a reason to live, a purpose in life. You've got generosity flowing out of your arms and your heart that you want to do something good to humanity. And let me guarantee you what will begin to happen. People ask you the questions, how and what do you do what you do? And you will find answers that God will give you in Jesus' name. Can I pray for you? Come on, let's stand to our feet. I'm going to hand it back to Pastor Julian. Hope this has encouraged you this morning. God wants... A movement of people coming to, to him. And you, my friend, could be that person. You could be that person. It's a hunger. It's a hunger. God, I'm following you. I'm following you. That's where it all comes from. I'm following you, Jesus. I'm not just coming to church. I'm following you. I want to be in what you're in. Because remember, the Father never left Christ. He was with him the whole time. And like he was, he's with you. So the, today, before I pray for everybody, I want to pray for a group of people. Maybe you've never responded to this amazing Jesus before. Maybe you're hearing something for the very first time, and maybe for the very first time, the gospel or Jesus is making sense. So I'm going to ask every eye to be closed, every head to be bowed, and every Christian praying. If you're here today and you go, you know what, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know him for myself. I want that personal encounter. Friend, you can pray a very simple prayer today and receive Christ into your life. Right where you're standing from where I'm standing, I'd love to pray for you. Perhaps today you are praying a prayer that says, God, I'm not actually following you. I'm going to follow you today. I'm away from God. You may do church, but your heart's not connected the way you know it could be connected. I'm not saying you're having a bad day, a bad week, or a bad month. You know in your heart that you're just not following, and God is knocking, saying, son, daughter, would you let me in? Would you say yes to him today? Well, every eye is closed, every head is bowed, every Christian is praying. I'm going to count the three, and if that's you this morning, you're saying yes to Jesus Oh, yes, I once made that choice, but I know today I need to make a commitment to Him to walk with Him. Love to pray for you. And in, after the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. Once I know you, you've done that, I'll ask you to put it back down and I'll pray for you right where you are. So after three, lift that hand. One, He loves you today. Two, this is your moment. And three, 
Lift that hand up high enough and long enough. Hands are going up. Fantastic. Hands there and a hand there. Hand up the back. So good. Once you've lifted your hand, you can put it back down. That's so good. Anyone else, just quickly lift it before I pray. It's not too late. Just lift that hand, friend. Let Jesus come into your life. Let Jesus do something radical. One last time today. Father, I thank you for each and every one of those hands. I pray today, Lord, that you would reveal who you are, your love, your grace, your mercy, your peace, your forgiveness. You'd remove shame and guilt, sense of loneliness. God, today, fulfillment will come in Christ. So, Lord, we thank you for each hand today, every heart that said yes. Church, can we pray a very simple prayer together along with those who lifted up your hand? Pray this with all your heart. And I'm going to hand over to Pastor Julian. Come and say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe today that you are the Son of God. Right now, I open up the door of my life. I ask you to come in to be my Lord and to be my Saviour. I receive you now. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord for changing and helping people. Amen. Sorry, one last thing, 30 seconds. Every eye closed. If you're here today saying, God, use me. Use me. I'm open. It's amazing what a willing heart will create. If that's you today, just quickly lift up your hand saying, God, I'm open. Yeah. Many hands, many hands this morning. Father, I pray today is a new day. And Lord, it don't matter what happened yesterday. What happens today is what matters. And I pray for every heart, every hand that's saying, God, I'm open. I'm open to sharing my faith. Lord, I pray for divine appointments. I pray for wisdom. I pray for insight. I pray for sensitivity. And I pray for a power that will be in their mouth to share the gospel that will transform this community, this city, and this nation. So God, we believe it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. God bless you, Citygate Church, 25 years strong. I'm telling you, so much more to come. In Jesus' name.